Okay, we're going to be recording today for Erev Rosh Hashanah, the Eve of Rosh Hashanah, and the two days of Rosh Hashanah as well. So this letter, <coughs> letter 19, is discussing the concept of Torah because we have the infinite light of God creating worlds. The light of God is infinite. The worlds are finite. So we need an intermediary to bridge from infinity to finite. And the intermediary is Torah. Now, an intermediary has to have both aspects. So Torah has the light, the infinity, in its inward aspect. And it has the garment, its external aspect, which is finite. So its external finite outward aspect relates to the finite world. And its inner infinite dimension, the light of it, relates to the infinity of God. So within the revealed garment of Torah, Torah she is in her revealed form in the Talmud, in the Chumash, concealed within it is the inward light, the inner dimension of Torah. This is based on a verse discussing Torah from Job. He wraps himself with light as with a garment. We have in this verse the idea of light being hidden within a garment. That's the theme here. So the light of Tyra that transcends revelation is hidden in a concealing garment as it's like Gloria. The Arizal explains in his Kabbalistic works that Moses did not apprehend the inner dimension of the supernal seminal wisdom in the world of being. Now this seminal wisdom has levels higher than the world of being. There's a seminal wisdom of the Keter of the crown. There's a seminal wisdom of Adam Kadmon, primordial man. There are levels of seminal wisdom beyond the seminal wisdom in the highest one of our four spiritual worlds, the world of being. But even the seminal wisdom of the world of being was beyond Moses' apprehension, let alone all of these levels higher than the world of being. So he didn't obviously absorb the dimension of the crown because that's beyond the seminal wisdom of being, which he didn't absorb. So what did Moses see with his prophecy? He saw the exterior levels of seminal wisdom as they are vested in the next lower divine attribute, the attribute of being of comprehension. So this isn't the inner and essential aspects of seminal wisdom. This is only its exterior manifestation because that's what can descend. And that descends into the next lower divine attribute, comprehension, understanding. And that is what Moses was able to see as it in turn is vested in the seven lower divine attributes, the emotive attributes, which are called in Hebrew amida, which means a measure, meaning something finite. So the infinite light of God has garbed itself in finite to be the source for created world. So here we have the supernal, seminal wisdom in its external manifestation, descending in comprehension, its understanding, and then being invested in divergent expression within the seven emotive attributes of God. As, of course, there are divergences of legal ruling within Torah. In other words, the laws of the Torah that say something is valid, innocent, pure, that's coming from God's divine attribute of kindness. 
the rulings which is saying impure, guilty, is deriving from God's attribute of severity. And so all the various emotive attributes of God impact and find expression within the Torah as it is in their realm. So the supernal wisdom extends all the way down to the very end of these divine attributes, all the way down to the lowest four, Netzach, victory, hold, glory, Yisod, foundation, and Malchus, sovereignty. And these four are extrinsic offshoots of the first three basic emotive attributes, God's kindness and judgment and compassion. And these lower four activate and cause these higher three to descend. So Moses' prophecy apprehended the inner dimension of these lower four, the lowest four divine attributes, victory and glory and foundation and sovereignty. And the function of these lowest four is to bring the descent of the loftier divine attributes from this world of beings to the world lower than the world of beings. Now, we're talking about Moses' prophecy. His prophecy could not grasp the inner dimension of any divinity transcending these four levels. Only the external dimension of the seminal wisdom, as it was vested in comprehension, which was in turn vested and extended within the inner dimension of these lower four divine attributes. So that's why our sages say in the Midrash that the withered vestige of the seminal wisdom is Torah. I mean, we see how Torah is coming from this descent, descent, descent. Torah in our world is not the undistilled essence of God's seminal wisdom. It's a dilution of this, so to speak, that can be expressed in the revealed aspects of Torah. On the level of it descends into these divine attributes, into the God's emotive attributes in a diminished way, in a, so to speak, finite way, which connects what God said to Moses. You can see my back, meaning the external aspects of divinity, but my face, face is like the inner aspect of divinity, you cannot see. So Moses could not see the inner dimension of God's seminal wisdom, only the backside. Now we can question this. What's our question? Moses was, the greatest prophet. We know Yitzhak Luria, one of the most fundamental Kabbalists of all time. He understood the inner dimension of many levels far higher than the seminal wisdom of the world of being, far higher than the crown of the world of being. So how is it that Yitzhak Luria, commonly known as the Arizal, could understand the inner dimension of seminal wisdom far beyond Moses' grasp. Moses was the greatest prophet, and he could never get the inner dimension of God's seminalism at all. And yet, Rabbi Sakhlori, the Arizal, is getting high, high levels of the inner dimension of God's seminalism. That's their question. This is a very obvious answer. Because the apprehension of a Kabbalist, like Rabbi Bar Yochai, the greatest Kabbalist of all time, and Rabbi Gloria the second greatest Kabbalist of all time. That's apprehension. That's wisdom. That's knowledge. That's completely different than prophetic apprehension of Moses and the other prophets. 
Because prophecy, the verse is referred to as vision. When you see something, you're grasping its essence. Comprehension grasps it externally in a more distant, remote way. And we know that throughout the scriptures, when it speaks of prophecy, it speaks of seeing. And there's many verses here, there's many quotes where we see the idea of prophets seeing God. Now, seeing doesn't mean with a physical, fleshy eye. It's in a metaphorical sense. But the analog has to remember the, has to resemble the analogy. So the analogy of physical sight means the viewer beholds the essence of a thing. So the analog, prophetic vision, has to refer to a spiritual kind of thing that grasps the essence of the spiritual level that's beheld through prophecy. So in this direct mode of God revealing himself, the recipient of the prophecy absorbs and internalizes just as with visual sense, visual perception, which is not so by the Kabbalists. Because by the Kabbalists, God who did not become revealed to them in a manifest mode as by the sight of a prophet. They apprehended the secrets of wisdom, something which is hidden from them. It's as if, so to speak, they are hearing it. The prophets, so to speak, see God. And the Kabbalists, the sages, through their wisdom, are hearing it, which is a far inferior level of perception. It leaves the recipient a less tangible impression. It's not a grasping of the essence. Now, that's why, it's an interesting way to look at this, our sages say that a wise man is superior to a prophet. Why would they say that? Because of exactly this point. Since the prophet truly sees, God becomes truly revealed. Since the wise man is not seeing, it's as if he's hearing. In other words, God's not revealing himself to him. So that's why with his wisdom he can apprehend levels of divinity far higher than could descend by means of revelation to the prophets in their prophetic vision. In other words, since the relation of prophecy is visual, these highest levels of God can't be revealed, can't come below to be seen. But the wise person isn't requiring these levels to come below, to descend, to be revealed. They're not being revealed. Through his understanding, he ascends to perceive them by his mind's eye. That's why Moses could only apprehend the inner dimension of the four lower divine attributes, the four lowest divine attributes of victory and glory and foundation and sovereignty, because only those lowest levels can descend and become revealed to the prophet. And this is their function. In other words, these four lower levels, their function is to vest themselves from this higher realm of the world of being into the lower realm to animate them. They're the conduits of the flow that's bringing down the life force from the higher levels to the lower. So that's why they can become revealed to the prophets as an actual revelation, as prophecy. And within these four attributes is the light of this much, much higher divine attribute called comprehension, the second to highest. And within that, is vested the external aspect of the highest of the divine attributes, God's seminal wisdom, within which, of course, is a level of completely transcending, 
conception or comprehension of divinity. Because seminal wisdom doesn't mean understanding. It's the source of understanding. It's seminal wisdom in the Hebrew is comprised of two words. That means the faculty of the unknown. It's a faculty that we can't grasp intellectually. It's transcending intellect. And the external aspect of that, vested in comprehension, vested within the inner dimension of these four lowest divine attributes, that's what Moses could grasp. And that's why it states in the Zohar, the fundamental work of Kabbalah, that the Torah derives from God's seminal wisdom. Because for the same reason, the reasons of the commandments are not revealed in rational terms. They transcend conception and comprehension, as does seminal wisdom. Obviously, sometimes there's reasons that are revealed and explained for the commandments, and those reasons are understandable to us. But the reasons that we're taught, which are true, they're not the ultimate and the full reason. Within the reasons that we understand is the inner core, is the mystical dimension of seminal wisdom that completely transcends any understanding we could ever have. So we have a bit of an understanding, but it's a drop compared to what's really going on. And just as it's true about the commandments, it's true of every word of Torah. Every word of the Tanakh, of the written Torah. Every word there, on one level, we are understanding that the true reality of it, the depths of it that are deeper and deeper and deeper are completely beyond us. Everything, if the Torah is discussing admonition, incidents, it's not a history. It's an eternal message for all generations invested in these words that we think we're understanding, the words of rebuke, the narrative, is an aspect of the divine seminal wisdom that completely transcends conception and comprehension. So a person could say, I don't know. When I read the Torah, it makes sense to me. They're saying, I know it makes sense. But that's just the surface edge. The real depth of it is totally beyond comprehension. Versus, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. How do I know? The Torah says, let me prove it to you, so to speak. There's a concept in the written Torah called kriuksiv. Kriuksiv means that sometimes, not always, but every once in a while, we read the scriptural text in a certain way, but it's written in a different way. In other words, normally, like 99% of the time, we read it as it's written. But every once in a while, we read it different than as it's written. Now, when that happens, that the written is different than the read, the read portion of the Torah is expressing a comprehension of the text that would make sense to us. The written Torah of those words doesn't. It's an aspect that transcends conception and comprehension. In other words, this particular word in its written form has no comprehensible garment. But when we read it, we're told to read it in a different way than it's written, and then it does have a comprehensible garment. Then we can understand it. So what does this prove to us? They're ever saying this proves to you that there's a lot more going on than you understand. And the same is true that every once in a while in the written Torah, there's letters that are larger. Actually, every one of the letters, of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, have one point in the written Torah where they're larger than the normal level. 
Well, why? Because they're deriving from the divine attribute of comprehension and radiating from there openly, and they're not cloaked in the garments like the other letters are. In other words, there's a lot more going on than we understand. In Torah, in its inner dimension, expressive of the inner dimension of God's seminal wisdom. So the aspect of the seminal wisdom that's vested in the 613 commandments of the Torah is referred to as the backside of the seminal wisdom. In other words, we previously said that Moses' prophetic comprehension of seminal wisdom was of the backside. And now we're saying that Torah is from God's seminal wisdom, and that's why in its inner aspect it defines, defies, transcends reason. And now we're saying that the seminal wisdom that's vested in the 613 commandments is the backside of the seminal wisdom, meaning the external level, the lower level, the levels capable of descending and extending downward to be vested in created beings to animate them. The inner dimension, so to speak, the face of the divine attribute is the divine attribute itself as it's united with the emanator, united with the infinity of God in an absolute union. So if we're discussing the seminal wisdom, the seminal wisdom in her purest, most intimate form is united with the emanator, the infinity of God in absolute union because God and the seminal wisdom are one. But that which radiates and extends from this seminal wisdom to the limited and finite beings below and becomes vested in them, that's called the backside. That's the external aspect of the seminal wisdom, not the seminal wisdom itself. That is Kabbalistically called the Asiya element within Asilas, meaning the lowest of the four worlds, the action element within the highest dimension of being, of nullification. And if we would, if we would think of this in terms of man, if we would compare it to man, that man has, man's soul has five levels. We have intellect, we have, and lower that we have emotion, and lower that we have thoughts, and lower that we have speech, and then lower that we have action, right? So we have these five levels, and we've, we've discussed these five levels before. Intellect, emotion, thought, speech, and action. Obviously, the soul's manifestation in, in uh, intellect is far different than the soul's manifestation in, in action. The life force that extends from the soul and is vested in the faculty of action is nothing compared to the life force that's in speech, which is nothing compared to the life force in thought, or in higher than that emotion, or higher than that than intellect. So in these five levels, yes, the soul is invested in all of them, but obviously it's a very different investment if we're talking about man's intellect versus man's action. So similarly with the seminal wisdom, for it to become invested in all the lower beings, we can't compare that lower level of it, that external level of it, that descends to become vested in the lower world, that's nothing compared to the inward aspect of the seminal wisdom, the aspect one with God. Because 
for God. This life-giving flow to all created beings, beings which are limited, beings which are finite, is such an enormous descent and contraction vis-a-vis God. Just as, metaphorically thinking, can we imagine the descent and contraction of the intellect all the way down to a purely physical and material activity? And Moses, who apprehended as high as the backside of the seminal wisdom through his prophetic vision, and therefore merited that the Torah was given through him, the Torah being the, the back aspect, the withered vestige of the seminal wisdom, that which like descends below to become vested in our physical Torah. Because the Torah's core, the ultimate object of the Torah, is the observance of all the commandments to do in actuality. And the ultimate bottom line of all the study of Torah is to lead to action. And that's what we're actually told, that every individual becomes reincarnated until he has physically observed all of the commandments. So what we're saying here, as we're going to end at this point, is that the real inner dimension is the inner, inner aspect of seminal wisdom that's never going to come down. Can't. But that backside of it that comes down and then becomes invested in the commandment, and then the Jew goes and does the commandment. And when that physical action is done, even though it's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous descent, but that's the point and purpose of it all. It all merit to a year of revealed good, physically, spiritually, and the complete revelation of the Messiah.